The idyllic peace of the Lindisfarne Monastery was broken by the panicked ringing of the Abbey's bell. Emerging from the mist on the North Sea, a fleet of flat-bottomed boats brought grave danger. Terrifying pagans, a horde of bedeviled, tattooed, axe-wielding berserkers from the cold north, there to plunder and to murder. For hundreds of years, Northern Europe would wait in fear for the next Viking raid, never sure if God would spare them. Now, if you Google Vikings, you'll find a TV series about a man called Ragnar Lothbrok, and this guy was supposedly a famous Viking in history. And there's another series called Norsemen, which is a comedy, as opposed to Vikings, which is a drama. And the irony is that Vikings may have been much more like the comedy series than they were like the drama series, in that these people have only just recently come to light as being a lot more cultural and sophisticated, artistic, creative, agriculturally ahead of their time, exploration geniuses, Um, And all of this has really only come to light since the mid to late 1800s. But when people hear the word Viking, unfortunately what you see is Hagar the Horrible, (laughs) battle axes, and pillaging, raping, and ruining all of Europe. So we're going to talk about the Vikings, and it's hard to squeeze all of this into one episode, but Anthony Mederer and I have done our best to try and compile a list of the most interesting Viking leaders and some of the stories about the Vikings, which I think will make you interested, and perhaps you can go and find more information if you like it yourself, and, and, and let us know if you've got something that you'd like us to focus on in future episodes. But really, there was no doubt that the Viking contribution to civilization is enormous. There was even a Viking Age, which yeah. was somewhere between 700 and 1000 AD. I enjoyed it. This hit the sweet spot for me because I've always loved the Roman Empire. Mm. And if you look at this, the Viking Empire in certain cases, you know, it's, it's comparable. Mm. The impact that they had on Europe, on the British Isles, and, and what they did in Greenland and Iceland, it was incredible. And I loved researching it. You know, I have to really concentrate because there's a lot that happened in 200 or 300 years in the time that they had the two eras, as they call it. Well, let's begin with the origins of the Viking people, mostly from Scandinavia, modern Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Iceland, and Finland. And they were really survivors in the beginning. They were small-scale farmers. They never really had kings. They had different tribes and different chiefs. And those chiefs were completely independent of each other. And if they could, they would fight with each other and take over each other's tribes and amalgamate. But they never really had one king. And for a very long time, they were opportunists. As soon as the land ran out, and they weren't in a particularly fertile or warm part of the world, so there was only so much land you could farm, they realized the next best thing to do was to build ships. And these were incredible feats of engineering, actually. These ships were were shallow. They were quite long. They could go up rivers. They could go into rough international waters. Overlapping, so special, that clinker overlapping boards that made them waterproof. Absolutely. And then quick. Very quick. And they realized that if they hopped on these ships, they could take opportunistic raids in various other places of the world. And they could just loot the places. And, and the obvious targets at that stage of the world were probably the monasteries because Europe was 
in the dark ages, but the monasteries were these beacons of light, and they all had lots of silver and lots of other treasures and plenty of people that could be carried back as slaves. Mm. You know, that, that just talking about why did they move, so you mentioned the fact that they ran out of space. So that, that's one of the reasons. But a big reason was Charlemagne was very effective. He was the Roman emperor, and he did a very good job, let's say, of, of getting Christians and converting and he did tackle the northern Germans. Uh, they weren't Frisians. The, the Frisians, and for that matter, the Northmen. And it was quite aggressive. There was one story about the spiritual tree that they had in Norway, and they came in and burnt it down. And and I think they were very aggrieved. So that played a part. And then political instability. All of those things became a melting pot. And then opportunism, as you're talking about, said, "Well, look, we're gonna we, we're gonna go and find some booty." Well, as soon as, as Charlemagne died, really there was – everything broke down in, in Europe and the kingdoms all deteriorated in size and power and the Vikings also saw an opportunity. Plus, the monasteries, which as I mentioned earlier were rich, were also not particularly well defended. You know, monks are not soldiers and it's much easier to kill 10 monks than it is to kill 10 soldiers. They would land at places like Lindisfarne in England, and it would just be a massacre. But the monks and the monasteries never expected anybody to attack them, because all the wars that had previously, <laughs> I mean, they, they were the Christians. They said, look, let's not uh, take on the house of God or whatever right. it might have been. There was like religious respect, but the Vikings didn't care. Yeah, about I mean, that. these were like, hey, you know, let's, you know, let's take all the wine, take oh, yeah. the wine and the women. <laughs> right, and they did. I mean, they, they famously, they would go in with battle axes. You can picture them while I'm saying it. These two kind of bladed battle axes, swords, uh, big shields. They wore horns on their heads. They did have all of that going for them, and they must have been frightening. Then they'd capture all the people. They'd take all the women back because women were in short supply. They would die young. They would die in childbirth. You know, Norway was very cold and not particularly hospitable. And they'd take back women from all over the world. And rape them and then produce children with them and keep them as slaves and also what they used to do is is if, if somebody had passed away that was a high standing in the church they used to see that this was very important to the people in that particular monastery and they used to kidnap that corpse oh, and wow. take that back so they could embezzle <laughs> money out whatever you want to call it they took the corpse for ransom along with like you mentioned the woman and the children so they were they were why they were so scary is because the the Christians thought they were looking straight into the devil's eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But their religions weren't far apart later on, as you see. No, I mean, they, they believed in most of the Norse mythology that has come down to us, you know, Odin and Thor mm. and Freya and all those famous gods and goddesses. And, and they had a sophisticated system of mythology. They also had sophisticated family structures. They had interesting little villages. They had feasts and halls and all the things that you'd expect Vikings to have. Yeah. And and they were, I suppose, also the founders of, of whole languages and communities which have existed to this very day. But if you were some terrified priest and you saw those sails on the horizon, oh. man, you would run and scream and hide and try to get the hell out of there. Yeah. And then you needed somebody like Alfred the Great. Yes. To go and stand up. I know there's a, there's a bigger story to that, but, uh, you know, he was one of the very few, especially in those early years that stood up and, and actually 
fought against them. Well, one of the most famous early Vikings was this Ragnar, and even the French chroniclers wrote stories about him. He apparently was so audacious that he even managed to command a fleet of some few hundred ships to go up the Seine River from the Atlantic, from the English Channel, effectively, all the way to Paris. They threatened Paris, took on the armies there. The king, Charles the Bald, was so afraid that just to get rid of them, he gave them 6,000 pounds of silver to just go away. And then, of course, what happened was they got the 6,000 well, pounds of silver. Strategically, that wasn't a good move. <laughs> and then they <laughs> thought, well, we're, if, we're we back. Can, if we can get 6,000 pounds of silver, we can probably get some more. Yeah, so exactly. they kept doing it. And they went with these boats upriver into most of Europe. And unfortunately for everybody in Europe, Europe is fairly navigable by river. So the Vikings, this was like they'd hit the jackpot. Yeah. In the beginning, they used to do these quick hit and runs because, like you'd mentioned earlier, they weren't necessarily patriotic and, and no. one country. <laughs> so they had these small forces, and the fact that Ragnar had a 100 or more ships shows you what charisma he had, and you could probably drink better than anybody, oh, yeah. could fight better than anybody because that's what pulled them together. Right. But what they did was after the hit and runs, they thought, well, we need to overwinter somewhere because this is really lucrative after Linda's farm and those raids. So they used to overwinter, and then around – April, May, they used to start their, how they were going to collect all their booty. Their raids. Their raids. Yeah. And they could do, they, they did it in the Seine near the mouth. Yeah. They did it on the, the northeast coast of England. And even in southern England, they used to just wait. And the people used to watch and say, you know, watch these guys over winter <laughs> and be so scared. And the other big thing is, is they could build an army. So their army was flattened by Alfred. The, the, the next summer, they had one twice the size. Yeah. So it was incredible how they, they could recruit mobilize. new people. Yeah. But they used to travel far as well. I mean, Greenland is famously named Greenland because Eric the Red tried to attract people to it, even though it was mostly ice and snow. Not a very hospitable place. But it was worse either. than Iceland, and it's called Greenland. Correct. <laughs> and, and yet, many people went and settled there. There was a very famous Viking community that was established there in the 800s to 900s AD. And his son, Eric's son, uh, Leif Eriksson, is supposedly the guy who discovered North America. Yeah, and he's one he, of the most famous of the Vikings. He heard a story about another Viking who was blown off course and ended up in this fabled land to the west. Um, essentially, these guys opened up the Western Hemisphere to Europe many years before Columbus, at least 500 years before Columbus is supposed to have done it. And there is reputed to have been a village that was populated by Leif Erikson and his family, in uh, Newfoundland, in Canada, which, which is, is very just, It's incredible. And yeah. they, they found evidence in the 1960s that it could have been Vikings. Uh, he called it Vinland or Vineland because they had wild vines. But there's a big speculation because the area is very cold and they've never had grapes there. So they, it could have been other types of fruit that they would make into a type of wine. But they stuck around there for a while and they got to know the area. But then they, they started being watched very carefully and they had a few skirmishes with the local tribes in Canada at the time. So then they left and they never really settled in that area. Yeah. I mean, still, if, if you consider that in the year 1000, these guys had already managed yeah. to cross the Atlantic in, in, you know, by hopping from Iceland to Greenland. And it must Canada. have been scary because the North Sea and up north near the Arctic Circle is frightening. I mm. mean, some of the seas that you have up there, even just crossing from, from Denmark or Norway to the British Isles, it was a massive feat. But what I found interesting, they spread three ways. It was almost like today Sweden was more closer to Russia. Mm -hmm. So then you had the Vikings that settled or Rus 
also That's during right. that same Russia's period. Russia's named after the Vikings. Yeah. And then the Norwegians and the Danes, they weren't called that then, but they came into Europe and the British Isles and also across to Iceland. And They were named the Norsemen and it became the Normans. And the Normans under King Rollo, a famous king of the Norman coast of France, they were eventually the people who conquered England. Yeah. When his grandson, I think it was, William so, the First, yeah, conquered so great, England. Great, great grandson. And I find that incredibly interesting because ultimately in the end, Alfred, who was a proper English, um, Anglo-Saxon. Anglo-Saxon's the better word. So he'd managed and his sons managed to keep it in place, but they weren't necessarily, they weren't as successful as Alfred. And then I think Ethelred the Unready, which is yeah, <laughs> ironic. That's right. Uh, he, he, yeah, and he lost control again of certain parts of England. On the second wave, you had Canut. Canut came down. He was, um, if I can remember, it was Harold Bluetooth's. That's right. Harold Bluetooth. These names are great. The Bluetooth name comes from that. So <laughs> yes, we talk about right. Bluetooth on our cell phones. It's Harold, so the H, and then yes. the B, if you look at That's the That's right. The it's a symbol for Bluetooth. Exactly. Harold Bluetooth had Canute or Sven, Sven the Forkbeard right. was the was the son of Harold Bluetooth, <laughs> and then his son was Canute, and his son was actually a very very good English king. Yeah, you know, he, uh, very competent. Well, unfortunately for the Vikings, the whole story ends in England as well, because there was a guy called Harold Hadrada, who was the the last king to try and conquer England. He'd done really well in Europe; he'd managed to win territories all over. Northern Europe and he was widely feared and respected and I think he got too ambitious and he decided to conquer England, landed in Northumbria and was met by Harold Godwinson who was already worried because he was going to be attacked from the south by William the Conqueror, his cousin, but he managed to fend them off at Stamford Bridge quite decently. He managed to beat them properly and uh, and Harold Hadrada died in that battle, and that was really the last big gasp of the Viking Empire or the Viking Age, because after that, through William the Conqueror, obviously, their their legacy continued. And their legacy on Earth is enormous. You mentioned their connection to Russia, but the, the Vikings have had a, a tremendous influence on Western civilization yeah. ever since then. But even if you look at just Hadrada, so he went into Russia, and then he went down into Constantinople, and he became a mercenary for the Byzantine emperor. Yes, that's right. And he was part of them where they sacked – they thought it was Rome because that's really what he wanted to do. I uh, can't remember exactly the coastal town that it was. I think he, he attacked Sicily at some point, Sicily. and he was crafty. What they did is they used to catch birds that lived in the city. They'd catch them outside the city and attach pitch to them and light them on fire. The birds would fly back into the city – into their nests, which were flammable, and set the whole city on fire. And that's how he got them to open the gates of it. It was very, very crafty. Well, they were definitely frightening, and they were definitely not the people you'd want to meet in open battle. They were brave. They would all hope to go to Valhalla one day, where they could feast with Odin for eternity. All they really wanted to do was fight and have a big feast. So, yeah. and then the, in the Simple night. Simple guys. Yeah, 100%. And in the night, they, all their injuries would heal. So this is what Valhalla was. All the injuries would heal. The next morning they could fight again and then they'd drink and be healed. And they really were worried because only 50% of the, the Vikings killed in battle actually went to Valhalla. 
So the other fifty percent that was quite sad. To them it was sad. It was, <laughs> so they really had to fight hard to get into Valhalla. It's a really, really interesting history. I mean, we can't fit everything no. in here. There's so much we could talk about, but the exploration, the the raids, the fighting, the the fact that they had women warriors as well, yes. which was unknown no, at the but time. Eric Red's daughter was more brutal than Leif Erikson, who was his son. She was frightening. <laughs> Listen, there, there were some very, very scary people. Yeah. Tell you what, if you go back in history and you claim in your time machine and you put the date in wrong and you end up in, in Viking Norway, you're in big trouble. You better be able to fight. Yeah, But the nice thing is they go to write books. You know, so, so not only could they do all of those things you mentioned, there's got more detail in their books than any other settlement or, or country in those times. Hmm. No, no, they, they definitely, we call it the Dark Ages because for Christianity it was a dark time. But there were other civilizations that were flourishing at that point. And probably the trade in Northern Europe was one of their lasting legacies too. You can find coins, um, deposits, Danegeld, they used to call it, um, or Dengeld, if you want to say it phonetically. And this was money that was stolen on raids, and it comes from all over the world. Mm. There are coins in there from the Arab world yeah. and everywhere. So really, the, the world is a lot more open than we thought it mm. was. 100%. Brilliant. These are, these are fascinating people, and we really can't fit it all into one episode. But honestly, the Vikings, what an exciting time uh, in human history and such powerful people. Blind History is brought to you by Taylor Blinds and Shutters. All the episodes are available on the cliffcentral.com website and app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. They were berserkers. In fact, the chief soldiers were actually called berserkers, and these people would lose their minds. They'd get very drunk, or they'd get really pumped up and angry and then they'd just take out all the force that they had on you know a poor monastery or an abbey or whatever it was 